All right, welcome to this week's uh, episode of Dylan's vlog and blog. Uh, I've been doing this for a while. Once a week, jump on on the video screen, on the podcast, give you some updates about what I'm up to, talk a little bit about what I'm seeing in the marketplace that's influencing my thinking about how I run my businesses. And uh, my hopes is to connect with other entrepreneurs and business owners that are looking to do um, the same thing. You know, they want to connect with other entrepreneurs, learn uh, what challenges they're having, what strategies they're employing to overcome um, uh, the difficulties that they might be facing. And I figure it's a great way to start a community. And that's what I'm trying to do. I am an entrepreneur. I interact with a lot of entrepreneurs. And so I've, I've, I've uh, uh, altered my strategy here in the last couple of months to try and create more of a community. And so uh, very excited about that. I've uh, been busy. I guess if we just jump into uh, the updates, if you've been following me along right now, um, one of the things that I talked about last week that continues to sort of be top of mind for me right now is this idea that, uh, and I was reminded of it because I was sitting with an investor that I'd done some work with over the past uh, couple of decades and we were just catching up, having a coffee and he was asking how things were going. And I sort of said, you spend the last two years just hanging on and not knowing what tomorrow is going to bring. And then you enter a time like the one we're in right now where it's crystal clear that COVID is the bans and the masks and all that stuff. That's all coming, definitely coming to an end if it hasn't already ended already. In some places uh, it hasn't, but uh, it's time to just get back to doing whatever it is you do. And it's kind of hard to shift gears into that mindset uh, because you're running up against things like... Um, uh, supply chain issues. Certainly in our businesses, we can see the impact of that. You're running into labor issues. And so how do you go from, you know, how do you transition easily from survival mode into let's try to find some opportunities mode? How do we, how, how can we be more measured about our growth? And this isn't my first economic cycle. Um, I've been around long enough to see a few of these come and go. Uh, the first one I lost my shirt on and it took me a long time to get my feet back. Um, so I do have context and I do have an understanding um, of what is needed to be done. But when you're playing the game every day, it can be hard to keep your mind straight. And so I guess kind of the first big update I would have is I'm continuing to sort of think through how do we take our business opportunities and uh, grow them, but on a much more measured basis? How do we make sure that um, if we've got a strong P&L, which we've been able to do over the course of the last two years, maintain a very, you know, after all the hard decisions were made to, to right size our businesses and to kind of reallocate how we spend money. We have a strong PL now. We're trying to make sure that we can have a strong balance sheet going into the next couple of years. And I'm trying to figure out how do we how do we leverage our customer uh, databases? How do we leverage the interaction and the audience that we have in both of our in both of our brick and mortar businesses, and then with our our new online business? Um, and so I'm just thinking through how, how do we do that? Because uh, I don't think that everyone is, every business is going to make it. These are times when a lot of businesses will close their doors, but it's also a time when real businesses are created. And I'd like to catch that next wave over, I don't know, how long does this cycle now last? A couple of years? It's not going to be a couple of months, certainly not going to be a couple of weeks. So that's top of mind for me. If you're an entrepreneur listening to this, I'd be, I'd be curious just to hear what you're thinking about. If, if you share the same opinion that uh, the last couple of years, everyone's been just, how do we hang on? How do we do all that we can with what we have? And now entering into this new business environment with different challenges, supply chain and labor. Those are the two that I bump into every day. Uh, what are, what are you doing? How are you, how are you finding your way uh, through this? So thinking uh, a lot about that and 
uh, kind of on the back of that, one of our big, uh, you know, another kind of big update from Dylan would be that we're continue to be best practice with managing our cash flow. Um, I've always had kind of this perfect pro forma that I've used, and it served me really well over the past, I think probably the past 15 years, and I've used it inside of every single business that I've worked with, either on a consulting basis or now in an ownership position. And um, in fact, I'm doing it for other entrepreneurs because I think that it's it's a really great tool and resource that helps a business owner like me understand what my business cash flow is going to look like over the next eight weeks and um, it helps me make better decisions that I can I can use my time to get in front of the decision instead of reacting and being defensive and, and kind of dealing with decisions after the fact. And cash is everything. I mean, let's face it, as entrepreneurs, it's why we get up every day is to generate, well, for me, it's to create value and then manage that value so that it produces a result. And the managing part, I think I've got down to a bit of a science. Certainly I have my ways of doing things, but it's the creating value, which kind of leads to or lends itself to my earlier comments that creating value is really hard. Managing value is something totally different. And now with our cash flow being what it is, I don't think it's going to change very much until we can figure out how to create some new value inside of our businesses. And so um, no problem keeping the lights on. Businesses are stable and that's really great, but we do need a growth mechanism. And so part of my way of doing that is to uh, find a piece of real estate that we can grow, physically grow into. And that gives us new opportunities to consider, but that's not in front of me right now. Um, still going to take some time to put that together. So it's not the only thing that we can be doing where we have some interesting customer service packages that we're putting together in one business. And then I've restructured our uh, kind of our corporate team in our other business to make to make it a little bit more autonomous and to make sure that everyone is as efficient as they can be and that we're maximizing the cash that we have. And then of course we have our on-demand labor service, um, which I think we're going to create some value out of. Uh, certainly we're creating value for the folks that are working, um, that are able to earn income through that platform. We're helping out other businesses, small businesses in particular that maybe don't have a need to take on a bunch of staff, but from time to time do need to kind of uh, scale up to take advantage of a project or a, or an opportunity. And then they can, once that, once that's done, they can, they can um, let those, those people move on to other opportunities. So um, managing our cash flow. I've got this perfect pro forma that I've been using, been working with some other entrepreneurs on it. Now I've just decided if you're an entrepreneur and you just want a template that you can use. Um, I'd be happy to build it for you and then walk your team through it so they can use it. Uh, I do that mostly because I think it's a great tool that other entrepreneurs can benefit from. But in doing it for other entrepreneurs that are in different businesses than I am, I'm also expanding my knowledge and my experience. And uh, that's also why I'm doing it. And I only, I only do, can only do a couple a month but it gives me a, a, an open door into some other entrepreneurs that are uh, smarter than I am, more innovative than I am, more creative than I am, and I get to learn from them. So it's sort of a win-win-win. And then I'm hoping to spin up a mastermind group with these entrepreneurs here in the coming months. I just got to make sure I can do it well um, and that I've got the bandwidth for it. So that's kind of what's going on in my world, more of uh, how do we create value? That would be a key takeaway right now that I'm focused on, not just how do I manage the value that we have, because I think that atrophies over time. I do think you have to be creating value somewhere. And uh, that's what that's what I spend a lot of my time thinking about right now as I'm listening to podcasts and so forth, uh, reading the latest news and what's going on, looking for kind of ideas, um, because I think that's also one of the great advantages of being an entrepreneur or a small business owner is you're only limited by uh, your creativity 
I haven't been feeling very creative over the last couple of years, and now I realize that it's time to sort of step back into that mode again because it's going to be, uh, I think it's going to be a tough go for the market in general and for many, many businesses. And I want to make sure that we're not one of those uh, businesses. Our portfolio can 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 weather the storm as well, and then just focus again on managing our tight tight cash flow. Um, if you sort of follow along the logic that we're, I'm managing our value right now, which means our cash flow is what it is and it will continue to be what it's going to continue to be until something new gets injected into the into the portfolio. And that's what I'm thinking through right now. So to the extent that I can use our cash flow to create value, I'd like to do that. I don't just want to use our cash flow to uh, pay down our, our debts and liabilities because um, that's that's great and that works but once all of that is done you really don't have any anything else so um anyway that's kind of where i'm at and uh what i'm doing and what i'm working on i'd be curious to hear what your updates are um either through twitter which i'm pretty active on or linkedin or even just a phone call or a zoom call again i do this uh mostly to hear myself talk out loud about what's going on in my life uh to document it and journal it for maybe generations to come who wonder what their grandfather great-grandfather did and 2022. Um, but I also do it to meet other people. And uh, this has been a great way uh, to do that. So kind of the next thing I, I, I realized last week I should be talking about um, only because it sort of follows the natural path or that follows the natural uh, movement of how I talk to entrepreneurs right now anyways, what's going on in the market. And I think unless you've had your head in the sand, everyone is talking about inflation, that it's here. And I think it gets... Um, I think the, the highlight of what's going on in the market can be best explained over the past week listening to just a whole ton of technology companies cutting their workforces by 20, 30, 40%, which is massive. Again, that was driven by the Q2, um, sorry, Q1, January, February, March. Yeah, so Q1 earnings uh, reports that all came out um, a little while back. Everyone's been trying to digest them and understand what they mean. And basically what it means is technologies, thanks to Netflix, I think was the tipping point, but um, uh, these technology companies are maybe more bloated than they need to be. Uh, Uber, if you care to look into it, Uber's CEO made a pretty strong statement this week about what their plan is going forward to make sure that they can survive what they believe are going to be some pretty strong headwinds in the marketplace. And if you're, if you're an entrepreneur running a business, you might say, ah, what does that have to do with me? What I've learned in the past is inflation isn't something that hits you immediately. It's kind of like interest. Um, you don't really see the impact of the interest on your mortgage or your business loan or your credit card or anything like that until someone shows you over the course of 12 months how much money has gone to service interest. Inflation, I find, is the same thing. You don't see inflation in the moment per se. You, you just sort of see it build up over time. Um, where, where that, Why that matters for folks like us that run businesses is that we have to uh, be prepared to make decisions in the face of not seeing um, the changes happening right in front of us. And so as an example, knowing that you have to increase your prices isn't something that you should plan for on a Monday and put in place on a Tuesday and something that like us, uh, you should have been thinking about months ago. If you were watching what was going on in the marketplace with the supply chain, with inflation, with some of the other economic variables, we were already talking through, okay, how do we, how do we bring a price increase across to our clients? And so we sort of staged out what we were doing, um, very methodical about it. Um, it started with needing to make sure we paid our team more. So we had to slowly work into increasing the wages of our team. We then had to put some systems in place to help us gain some operational efficiency so that when we uh, went to 
uh, bill the same job as the rest of the marketplace, that our margin was better. And now we've begun, uh, so that took some time to put in place to make sure it worked. So we increased wages, put some systems in place to help us gain some operational margin. And then, uh, and what I mean by that is we didn't have to hire more people to take care of the increase in business that we've experienced through our marketing and sales activities that we were able to do this, the, use the same people to do more work by using systems. So that's given us some more margin compared to our competitors. And then we are now passing along our cost increases from our suppliers to our customers. And then the last step is going to be uh, probably a month from now, maybe eight weeks from now, we will begin increasing our, our actual uh, uh, labor rates to the marketplace and would have fully sort of moved our whole, our whole P&L in a direction that recognizes what's going on in the market. But the point is, as an entrepreneur, you don't want to wait to make these decisions. You really should be thinking through them because the downside I've learned is if you if you react and you make drastic changes too quickly without thinking through them, uh, you can really damage your business. So you can end up uh, ultimately damaging customer relationships, which damages your revenue because your revenue is damaged. It then means that you don't have enough income or um, gross margin to address the staffing problems that you're going to have because your staff are going to need to adjust as well. And, and so, you know, playing defense and being reactionary, there's a time and a place for that. But I think as leaders, as entrepreneurs, our job is really to kind of just look to see what's going on in the marketplace. How is it affecting our business? How is it affecting our counterparts in the marketplace, our competitors and our colleagues? And then ultimately, what is our strategy for getting through it? And so um, in addition to trying to figure out how to kind of um, grow our businesses on a measured basis. I'm doing that with, with you know, very much one eye to the marketplace of inflation and what that's doing. And that's just kind of all over the news right now. And I think it's, quite frankly, I think it's going to be in the news for, for some time. Um, the other thing in the marketplace, if, if you care to know, again, I follow the uh, crypto market, A, because I find it interesting. Many, 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 many years ago, um, I was mining Bitcoin on a laptop. And so since then, I've kind of followed it along. And um, and that's not to say that I'm about to educate you on crypto. What I am saying is that when you see what's happening across the board with crypto, and I think the marketplace in general, there just was this huge spike over the years of COVID. You know, if you look at a, at a stock chart, you can see that there was you know, a, a pretty big increase in the level of interest and everyone seemed to make money at it. And, and now it's coming back down to earth and arguably it's worth what it's, you know, its highest value is what it is today. Um, and I think that of the stock market too. I think the stock market was on a tear. It's come back down to earth. People think that you're buying on the dip and I don't think this is the dip. I actually think this just reflects what, what the prices are for companies. And so the dip is probably on its way. It's probably coming sometime soon, but it's not here uh, right now. And the whole crypto thing just reminds me of, oh, I don't know, back in the late 90s when I was involved in mortgage syndications, um, you know, basically take a million dollar mortgage, break it into 10 pieces at $100,000 each, you pool the money together and then, you, and then you lend it out. Well, that had become such a popular form of investment that all of a sudden there were all these neat and interesting investment vehicles that came along. Uh, one in particular was called the Mortgage Investment Corporation. And all of a sudden everyone was doing them. And then what that meant was loans were being underwritten that probably shouldn't have been. So, you know, someone would say, I need a million dollars. The truth is they only needed 800, but you lent them the million anyway, because you could collect the fees, yada, yada, yada. Anyway, there was this whole 
this whole bubble that grew and then it burst and it was brutal. And um, thousands, tens of thousands of investors lost tens of millions of dollars. And that's just how these markets go. And I look at crypto uh, the same way. I think there's uh, a functional reason and use case for it underneath. But I think everything that we're watching in the marketplace just demonstrates to us that it, much like, you know, NFTs as well, all these new ideas need to breathe. They need, you know, if you follow an adoption curve theory, there's a bunch of innovators and early adopters that kind of get involved in these new ideas, push them to their to their outer edges when the kind of the mainstream starts to adopt it. And then at some point, the underlying brokenness of the model reveals itself and there's like a crash. And I think that's what we're seeing now. But um, I think it, it uh, just demonstrates you always got to be careful. You know, when you see these things, the whole too good to be true thing. Um, it's not too good to be true if you understand what it is you're getting involved with. And I think for me as an entrepreneur, the, the crypto and the NFT marketplace, I think there's a lot of interesting stuff going on there. I've often thought about how we could incorporate some of these technologies into our businesses and our on-demand labor business in particular, I spend a lot of time thinking about, but um, that's all it is right now. It's just a thought. And with uh, crypto crashing, I think what that ends up producing, if you just sort of follow along the cycle of innovation, is there's going to be a lot of people that leave the crypto market or the NFT market, and the people that remain are, are the ones that really understand how to do something very valuable with it. So not just manage the value, which is what I think has been happening over the last couple of years, but they actually create new applications, new use cases for how uh, they can do uh, or how they can put what they're doing into the marketplace and make it valuable to others. And I, I, I think that's a good lesson for us entrepreneurs is, you know, in these down markets, when everyone else is leaving or when many people are leaving or folding up shop or closing up shop and it's not working out, that that's the best time to reevaluate. Hang on a second. What, what is it that we really do here in our business? It's not the product or the service that we offer. It's the problem that we solve. And are there innovative ways that we can be solving that problem? Are there different things that we can be doing that would help us create more value for our customers, create more value for our business, and really help put us kind of out in front? I've got this philosophy that if you're not leading the marketplace and you're anything other than you know, uh, first place in your market, then then you're you're fighting with everybody else for whatever remains because 80% of the business gets done by 20% of the market and 80% of the market does 20% of the business. So that's why most small businesses don't work. And in my mind, I'm always thinking through, okay, what what puts us out in front? How do we how do we maintain our position as a leader? What's the niche that we're defining for ourselves right now? And then how do we become really good at it before we start moving up market? And the crypto crash and everything that you're that we're experiencing in the crypto and NFT space is just again a constant is a reminder that as entrepreneurs we get paid to create value and manage it, but those aren't the same activities. And um, the crypto market just highlights that now we're going to see some innovation. Maybe not tomorrow, maybe not next week, but I think over the I don't know what's today, May the tenth, twenty twenty two. I think if we fast forward a year or two. Um, we'll be amazed at how we have incorporated these technologies into our businesses and how they've um, been able to help us make some gains somewhere. So the last thing kind of going on in the news is I just, because I mentioned it last week about kind of Amazon and Starbucks and this movement towards unionization. And I, I was sort of saying that I feel as an entrepreneur, if you're uh, if the labor end of your business is unionizing, it means that maybe as an organization, you're not providing what you should be providing. 
to people. And I realize you can't please all people all the time, but when there's enough, there's enough um, uh, momentum that a company like Amazon and Starbucks is thinking about unionizing, I think there's something below the surface there that's worth investigating. And I'd read an article that, that sort of talked about how Amazon was going to combat, or not Amazon, sorry, Starbucks, how they were going to combat the unionization of their workers. And it sounded like they were putting together, I'll be paraphrasing all of this, but you'll get the idea. You know, here's our preferred partners program. So if you're if you're a team member with Starbucks, you're going to get all of these other benefits. However, if you decide to join the local union, then many of those benefits won't be available to you because you're going to have to seek them through the labor union. And the only reason I bring this up, not so much to talk of, um, to talk about unions and whether they're important or not important, because I know that's a touchy subject for many entrepreneurs, but more or less this idea of how do you view the folks that are working under your care? Um, and you'll know I didn't say the folks that are working for you, because that isn't my philosophy. I think we live in a different uh, time right now where um, the whole kind of boss worker relationship has been disrupted. I think COVID sort of put that into overdrive. And I think now as entrepreneurs, our objective should be to create really great teams that are able to utilize their skills and their talents to either manage or create the value that the business delivers. Um, and not and part of how we do that is we take advantage of technology. We make sure that we've got the right people in the right places. Um, um, but I don't think it, the, you know, the attitude of, well, people who work under my care should just be grateful they have a job. I think that 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 ship has sailed, that horse has left the barn, that train has left the station. I think that folks that are that maybe aren't in a position to be an entrepreneur, that aren't in a position to start a business, that they want to work within cultures and within companies that value them for what they bring to each day and that things like crypto and NFTs and blockchains, all of that is going to continue to systematize the time that people have, and they will be able to work for whatever company that will um, recognize them for who they are, not not maybe what you know the past has been, where we just have an opening and why don't you just come work for us, because that's a good move for you. I really think that um, I'm 44 years old, and I think that over the coming decades, there will be a real shift in the marketplace towards um, accommodating and recognizing the value that workers bring to every organization and that organizations will spend more time looking to accommodate the lifestyle that their staff want. Um, as you've heard me talk uh, uh, about uh, in our portfolio that we've rearranged uh, how we pay people from weekly to per project. We've shifted around work schedules to accommodate people wanting to work more hours but fewer days. And uh, all of that has been done with an eye to making sure that if you're going to do this type of work, that we're the one of the best places, if not the best place to do it. And I think that that trend will continue. So when I saw Starbucks say, look, we're going to create like a preferred partner program where if you don't join the union, you'll be considered a Starbucks pl team player and you'll have this whole list of uh, benefits available to you. But if you do decide to join the union, that same list won't be available to you because the union is going to have to take care of that for you. I just feel like that's that's just something interesting to think about as an entrepreneur. Where would you sit on that side of the equation? Would you do everything that you could to accommodate your workforce um, and recognize their value and make sure that there's um, 
that there's equitable, there's an equitable exchange of time for money? Or would you do what Starbucks is doing and just sort of put parameters around your expectation? And if people weren't meeting that expectation, that um, you would just find a different way to deal with them. So I'd be curious just to get your thoughts. It'd be nice to know what the audience thinks. Um, you know, DM me, send me an email jump on a call because this is stuff that I think about all the time, mostly because as a small business, really, what is our competitive advantage? It's our, our people, you know, the people that show up every day uh, and do the work. Um, if they don't show up and do the work, there's nothing for me to do. And so I have a very, I have an evolving opinion of what it means to be an entrepreneur leading uh, people. So I'd be curious to hear what you think. And then just to square this off, um, I always uh, pick a couple of tweets because I feel like that's just a neat way to, to start a conversation. And so I'm going to, let's see here, just pull up my Twitter stream. And I got a couple of tweets that I identified that maybe I think you probably would find um, interesting. And the first one um, was this idea. Let's just see here. I'm going to click on, there we go. So someone had said, I was following this Twitter stream along where a guy was complaining about an HVAC company that had charged him a lot of money. And there was this exchange back and forth about how maybe the owner, um, how the owner isn't, isn't taking as much money out of his business as he wants to. And the one guy had just said, I think they charge such a high price. The context was, I think they charge such a high price because, and then here's the tweet. I think it's a personal burn rate problem. That's the, uh, or burn rate. That's the problem. Meaning I think that the owner is charging these high prices because in essence, they need money to pay for their boat and their house and their vacations and so forth. And my response was, because this is something that I've wrestled with pretty much in every business I've worked with every entrepreneur. But, um, I said, this is no joke. And many entrepreneurs wouldn't actually know this is their problem. And then I had said, your business is not, most times, an, a, an ATM machine. Um, I actually wrote ATB, which is a bank uh, here in our city, but it, I meant to say ATM machine. And so what does that mean? I think if you've never thought about it, I have this philosophy that if I had to hire someone to do my exact job that I do in the businesses I'm involved in, what would I pay them? And then that's what I get paid. And my thinking is, as a business owner, um, my goal isn't to make uh, a salary. My goal isn't to um, have a job that you get paid for. My opportunity is to create value and every year take a dividend that reflects the profitability of the business. So no profit, no dividend means I wasn't able to do my job. But if I'm pulling up a chair, sitting at a desk and doing, a, you know, most of the work I do is controller finance driven. Um, and so I look and I go, okay, for all the time that I spend, what would, you know, what would I have to pay somebody else to do this? And um, and then that's what I pay myself, but that isn't my objective. My objective is to ultimately not be paid anything and just take a return on the value that I was able to create over the course of a year. But I don't think many entrepreneurs see it that way. I think many entrepreneurs say, no, 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 I can, you know, it's my business. I can do what I want with it. And you're right. But if you want to build a profitable business and a valuable business, I think there's a lot of value in saying, if I had to pay someone to do my job, what would I pay them? And most times it's not one person that you'd be hiring. You might be hiring like two or three people because many, depending on the size of your business, many entrepreneurs fill a lot of roles inside of their business. Um, and th this tweet just reminded me that I wanted to say something about that, that as an entrepreneur, have you ever given thought to what your job is worth? Do you pay yourself what it's worth or do you pay yourself more? Do you strip the business of the cash that it needs in order to grow and to reinvest in creating more value? Um, or kind of what's your philosophy, what's your style. And this particular tweet reminded me, uh, reminded me of that. Um, 
the next the next one that the next tweet that kind of lined up for me that I thought was interesting was one about just pull it up here yeah so um, the fella had just talked about kind of the the time and space that we're living in right now um, with respect to inflation and the falling markets and he had said um, it was a part of a, a Twitter thread, but it had said, use this time to build skills, solve problems, and come out stronger. You build your wealth in down times. And I had responded that a year from now, you won't feel the way you do today. Take advantage of the uncertainty while it lasts, because that's how lasting fortunes are built. And again, my experience having been through a few different cycles is that this is really true. I think um, in a down market, that's when a lot of businesses that were barely surviving um, no longer can. And so they end up um, shutting their door and they no longer make it. They no longer survive. Um, but many businesses that can hang on, I like to think that I'll be one of those business owners that can do that um, across the board, that they end up creating new value. They end up, they end up being able, whatever, if you, if you listen to what I said earlier, that if you're not the market leader doing you know, 80% of the business in your given marketplace, but you're part of the 80% doing 20% of the business that as some of those companies fall away, that you're able to pick up those customers and pick up that revenue and use it to create some wealth for yourself. I really believe that to be true. And so when I see the markets doing what they do now, I don't get excited. I think that would be sadistic, but I certainly get very, very keen on understanding how do we make it and what do we need to do in order to be one of the surviving companies. Because basic math would suggest that if there's 10 companies that existed in the marketplace when times were good, not all 10 of them are going to be around when things like inflation and supply chain issues hit and there's nothing that can be done um, inside the business if you haven't prepared for it. So not all 10 companies make it. And I like the opportunity to say, hey, we're going to be one of the ones that do. And if we can do it, kind of the last man standing attitude or last person standing attitude, which is we'll reap the rewards of making the hard decisions and being able to somehow uh, take what the market is doing, use it as some signals to change our behaviors, and then off we go. And so, um, so that was one of the tweets. Um, and then the last tweet that I wanted to uh, chat about, again, more of a, sometimes you just need to hear something said a certain way, and then it, it kind of resonates and you just needed to hear it at the right time. And so this was one of, this was one that I had, I always say, and I always think about, and I off, always offered as advice. So let me just make sure I can pull it up here. Um, let's go back. And incidentally, if you're not on Twitter, man, it's a lot of fun. I mean, there's a lot of garbage on Twitter, but um, there's lots of interesting people doing some interesting things, and I find I learned so much. All right, so here was the, the tweet. It was, um, conflict delayed is conflict multiplied. And what I had uh, uh, responded back to that was that there's no point waiting to get punched, take the hit and move on. Anticipation of an outcome allows stress and anxiety to grow disproportionately more than the outcome of whatever the situation is actually requires. And I, and again, I kind of live my life through this lens, which is if you've got some bad news, take the bad news, don't delay it. If someone's going to, you know, my famous uh, line is, cause I've been involved in a few lawsuits. If you're going to sue me, 
just like sue me. Can we get on with it already? Because you've made a decision to go down this path and me worrying and being stressed out and having sleepless nights isn't going to change the path that you've decided to go down that now I'm being forced to go down. So let's just get on with it. If there's a call that you have to make to an angry customer or an upset vendor, you might as well just make the call, get it over with. I mean, what's the worst that's going to happen? Exactly. It's going to happen today if you do it, or if you delay it, it's going to be much more worse. You might as well just get in front of it. And and I've always learned from um, the entrepreneurs that, that I've been fortunate enough to hang around and be mentored by who are decades ahead of me, that, that was a pretty consistent theme with them as well. They would never delay making hard decisions. They would always make the hard decisions sooner, quicker, faster. And they would do that because then they could, uh, first of all, from an integrity and transparency perspective that enabled them to be transparent with the people, be honest, um, and it maintained a level of integrity that people trusted them. So they always knew that people had their best interests in mind and uh, it also made it easier to deal with the difficult moments. Whereas if you're someone that hides the truth, you're not transparent, you avoid conflict, at some point that all breaks loose. And I've, I have found personally, the longer you wait, the more it breaks loose and the, and the harder it is to, um, to deal with. And you certainly, it doesn't need to be that hard if you're prepared to step in front of it um, sooner rather than later. So if you're an entrepreneur and you've got some difficult decisions that you're about to make or you think you should be making or some situations that you're avoiding, again, there's nothing to be gained by waiting. Um, you might as well just get on with it and certainly that's what I've done. It works for me, but I'd be curious to hear what your style is and what you do. And pretty much wraps up my time here. I uh, Thanks for tuning in. You know, make sure to subscribe or share this or rate it um, because then it gets in front of entre other entrepreneurs. Uh, most of all, though, connect with me. Uh, again, I do this, A, to hear myself talk and work through my own thinking, but also to try and meet other entrepreneurs that are just doing what I'm doing, you know, trying to provide for your family, trying to provide for the people on your team and trying to run uh, valuable and, and profitable businesses. So let's make sure that we connect and I'd encourage you to make sure to tune in next week.